Welcome to the Indigenous United Podcast, a production of the Native American Student Development Office at UC Berkeley. This is a podcast about Indigenous issues important to us as Indigenous students at UC Berkeley. We'll be interviewing Indigenous scholars, leaders, artists, and activists, and keep you, our listeners, up to date on current events in and around campus. Since we are recording here uh, at Berkeley, we'd like to recognize that Berkeley does sit on the territory of Huichen, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chichenyo Ohlone. By offering this land acknowledgement, we affirm indigenous sovereignty and will work to hold University of California Berkeley more accountable to the needs of American Indian and indigenous peoples. Hey everybody, welcome to the very first Zoom edition of our podcast episode. I'm Fallon. Alexi here. Hi, this is Vitea. Today we're bringing you an interview with Maria Gibbons. Maria is an enrolled member of the Coeur d'Alene tribe in northern Idaho and recently completed her master's in the environment at Colorado University Boulder, where she specialized in sustainable food systems. She has worked for the National Congress of American Indians and in the U.S. Senate, and her publications have appeared in news outlets such as Vox, Medium, and The Daily Yonder. Maria is passionate about tribal food sovereignty and is the manager of the Instagram account Native Soul Food. Follow her on Instagram. Yeah, I was lucky enough to meet Maria at the Indigenous Food and Agriculture Initiative in Arkansas this past summer. Maria was there as a former food policy advisor and helped sharing with Native youth the importance of being engaged in reclaiming culture and uh, working around issues related to tribal food sovereignty and youth empowerment. Yeah, Maria wrote this amazing article on Vox. She's really helping raise awareness about the way that COVID-19 is impacting Indigenous communities. And that's really what we wanted this episode to be about, uh, because we know you guys are all locked at home like us, and we wanted to bring you this podcast that talks about how it's impacting our communities specifically. Hey, Maria. Hello. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? Going okay. How are you? Good. I'm up at my parents' cabin up in Idaho, so it's a cold, windy day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Would you introduce yourself for our listeners? Maria uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Maria Givens. I am Stichuamsh and a member of the Coeur d'Alene tribe in northern Idaho. Awesome. We're so thankful that you could be here with us today. So you wrote a great article last month on Vox about how COVID-19 is impacting Indian country. Can you describe some of these impacts for our listeners and provide us with any updates? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really talked to a lot of different folks around the country trying to get kind of a holistic sense of what this is, what COVID-19 is, uh, how it's going to impact Indian country. And it seemed like so many of our structural and systemic issues were being threatened by this virus, like our a lot of lack of access to uh, hand washing and sanitary uh, facilities, or um, you know, a lot of the health disparities and underfunding of the Indian Health Service was uh, really exacerbating a lot of the response health-wise in Indian country. And then, you know, just thinking about our economic resilience, we, most tribes, their economy is based on hospitality, and that is essentially completely shut down right now. And so uh, a lot of these economic, social issues were really coming together in 
a way where Indian country was going to be more hurt by this particular virus and the response uh, within the U.S. than other communities across the country. The article came out like within a day of the CARES Act passing. And so the CARES Act came out, there was a lot of trillions of dollars of response and a lot for Indian country, but there was a lot of <laughs> funding for tribes through, uh, through BIA, through Indian Health Service, through, through distribution programs at USDA and HUD and housing. So there were a lot of different uh, approaches to the response, the federal response in Indian country. And so the money is, it takes a while for those federal funds to actually get into the bank accounts of the folks who need to use it. Yeah, I, I, I remember hearing about the CARES Act being passed like late March, but I was just looking yesterday and it seems like tribes still don't have access to that funding and we're like over two weeks now from when it was passed. Yeah, and you know, this is kind of systemic within the federal government and their response to Indian country. Uh, with the very first COVID response bill, there was, I think it was $80 million uh, earmarked for tribes that went through the CDC, Centers for Disease Control. And that was held up because the CDC doesn't have all of the linkages to tribal bank accounts and operating accounts like IHS does. And because the legislation was written um, that it goes straight to CDC and then to tribes, the money was held up for about two or three weeks. And this was like the crunch time of early March of, you know, when all of this was happening really quick. And so, you know, tribal clinics were having to make their own masks instead of ordering N95 masks. And uh, those huge kind of funding issues um, were really exacerbated during that time and still are too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thinking about, you know, some of the ways that Indian country is being impacted, I know in the article you highlight that Native Americans have the highest levels of diabetes and hypertension rates, and that these are some of the health factors that, that make us more vulnerable to having, you know, a really severe case of COVID-19. I was actually talking about this in a class the other day, you know, when we talk about these underlying health impacts very often framed in a way that these are genetic or biological traits that, that Native Americans have. But just being really clear that these rates of diabetes and hypertension are very much a product of the social factors uh, mm -hmm. within Native America and colonization and, you know, a complete destruction of our environment. Yeah, you're exactly right. These Diabetes is not a thing 500 years ago. And now Native people have the highest rates of diabetes in the whole country. And, you know, just like what you said, they are social and environmental issues that we're dealing with today, not biological or, you know, based in serious, like, chemistry or biology. You know, our foods, we don't have access to our traditional foods anymore. You know, for my tribe, we were coming up on root digging season. And so we dig roots in these prairies. Those prairies are exactly, if you're a urban planner, where you want to build cities. They're the lower lying areas that um, have really easy access to roads. And so that's where a lot of our cities in the Northwest are built on former camas fields. 
And when Lewis and Clark came across into, into Western Washington, they thought they had made it to the ocean, but really they were just seeing a camas field in full bloom because they have blue flowers. But you know, now that is called the I-5 corridor. And so, you know, that just goes to show how farther away we are from our traditional foods. And, you know, for at least people in the Northwest, camas and those roots were our main carbohydrate. Now those main car carbohydrates are replaced with wheat. And these things that have only been in our diets for 200, 300 years at most, and our bodies just don't know how to process them well. And then that turns into uh, those environmental factors of not having access to traditional foods and then being supplemented for foods that come from other places turn into your body reacting of like, I don't know how to deal with this. My insulin's going crazy. Diabetes starts to happen. It's a very scientific approach. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great description. Thank you. And that just draws like the through line of colonization, development, like our increased risk for COVID, you know, it's, it's all just so cyclical. And then, you, you know, you can't help but mention the fact that 90% of our populations were wiped out when colonization first came, you know, the first waves mm -hmm. that brought these kinds of viruses. So yeah, I just, in many ways, it feels like we're seeing this repetition of this horrible genocide of our people. Yeah. And I, a lot of the people that I'm talking to these days, you know, we feel this intergenerational trauma like deep in our bones and something like COVID is so reminiscent of that and we kind of we're having these reactions even though in our lifetimes we have not seen this but in previous uh generations we've seen you know people get the flu and you know can't recover from that and so I think number one we have to recognize that we're having an intergenerational trauma experience through this because like like you said those cycles are continuing and this is really reminiscent of that and you know we as native people are the descendants of the people who had to watch all of that happen you know i think a lot of people are kind of a lot of the native people i'm talking to these days are kind of like god i'm just on edge i don't know how to you know handle this on top of being stuck at home um and so you know i think we do need to be easy on ourselves and just being like, hey, this is kind of sparking something that maybe has been laying dormant for 20 years or something in my body and uh, just recognizing it moving forward in a good way. That's such great advice. And speaking about like moving forward in a good way, you know, I really enjoy and appreciate your Native Soul Food Instagram account page. It really just is a good sense of, you know, what someone can do if they're cooked up at home and all the indigenous foods that you might not think about, like polenta being a native food and being able to kind of like connect with traditional foods that way. Uh, for all the listeners out there, just search up native soul food on Instagram. It's a really good page. And yeah, it just would be really interesting to kind of hear about things that you do that you that feels generative for you during this time, um, including this or maybe other activities that you also enjoy. When the social distancing stuff kind of started, I was joking around with some friends. I'm like, maybe I've always been socially distant. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> um, the things I love to do are, you know, going out and hiking, um, going on long runs, and uh, cooking and reading and watching TV. I'm like, wait, I can do all of those right now. Um, it's really nice. But um, 
I think one of the things that, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Alexi, that I just love experimenting and kind of problem solving with food. Um, and, you know, we have to eat three times a day. And now we're in a time where we're not, you know, grabbing something at the coffee shop before a meeting or uh, before class or, you know, oh my God, I'm just so hungry after a long day, I'll just grab whatever I can find. And so we have more time to make our food decisions. And so that's been really kind of fun for me. I've seen that more as an opportunity to really get into some interesting stuff. And, um, you know, so many of the great native foods are great quarantine foods like cornmeal. You can, it just sits there and it, you don't need to do anything. <laughs> and then you can bring it out uh, whenever you want to. Like two weeks ago, feels like two years ago, um, I made uh, cornbread and chili. And every single thing that I used for cornbread and chili, I was like, does this have a root in um, North America, North and South America? And tomatoes do, beans do. Um, I didn't have any wild onions, so I used uh, some Walla Walla sweet onions from Walla Walla, Washington, which used to grow camas. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, tomatoes, beans, um, I used some bison in it, and that was really good. Um, and just made cornbread from a cornmeal that I got from Bow and Arrow Foods at, uh, from the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. And you can go online, and there's so many great... Uh, native producers that you can go online and support. Um, American Indian Foods Program, they have a good website where you can go and uh, purchase stuff online. But you know, even though I was making something that like, there's so many connotations around stuff like chili and cornbread, or like a lot of Southern food is actually native food. You know, if you think of like succotash or like, it's not all just like fried chicken, but like collard greens have roots with uh, the tribes down there. And, you know, kind of reclaiming these things during quarantine has been really enjoyable and really fun, um, but also like, you just feel better. <laughs> and, you know, if you're spending that time thinking about the food, preparing the food and making sure, you know, taking care of it and not burning it and not throwing a bunch of preservatives and add-ons onto it um, and just letting the food speak for itself, you know, you're putting a lot of love into the food. Then you eat it and you're like, oh, I know exactly what's in this. It's just tomatoes, beans, maybe chicken broth and some meat and compare that to like the ingredient list on like Hormel chili or something. That's been a really good way to go through this quarantine time because cooking can take a long time, uh, especially if you kind of let yourself get into it. And then for me, exercise has been really necessary because I don't have the excuse anymore to say I don't have time to exercise. Now I've just been trying to exercise every morning so that like planning my day around exercising in the morning and then uh, you get the endorphins all day. And that can really like help have a good spin on things because you know if you do open social media you're probably going to get some news that's not that nice. And so just trying to deal with all of this in the best way for myself. And, you know, for other people, that means different things. That might mean being creative or writing or, um, you know, singing or beating or something like that. So, you know, do what feels good for you and don't put any pressure on yourself to be as the most productive person ever in the world. Yeah, I definitely had to stop listening to the news about a weekend tonight 
sporadically try to check in with the news right now because it's just it's like too much to deal with but I've been loving things like uh you know I, I recently found your native soul food Instagram page and I think that cornbread and chili one was the first one that I liked I just oh, nice. was like salivating over these photos of, of plates of food that you've made I'm like man I want to quarantine in place wherever she is like it just looks so beautiful and the food it's a great way to like connect I think with um cultural ties and just like circle back in at this super crazy time and take care of our immune systems. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the second I realized that this illness was becoming a, a big thing, um, you know, there's like always that like voice in the back of your head that is saying you should be doing something. And my voice was saying like, eat salmon now. <laughs> like, like I think you said you threw the leftover salmon that you had from the night before onto this plate of scrambled eggs. And I was like, oh, why am I not making that? <laughs> you should. It's really good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today and share, you know, the information you've collected. And thank you also so much for writing these articles and like getting this stuff out there. Thank you. One lunch. I appreciate that. I think we're all called in this time to use whatever gifts we have to uh, for the benefit of everyone else. And, you know, I, I like to write. That's one of my things. But, you know, I hope other people can find the, the things that they can do to help other people um, through this. And that might be like my mom. She's a really good seamstress and she's been making like hundreds of masks and sending them out to IHS clinics and stuff. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I hope all the listeners can, uh, you know, think of something that they can do uh, using their own talents, but, you know, being good to other people. because That's it's one of our tribal values. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're sending the best to you and your family and hope you guys can continue to stay healthy and well and enjoy all that great food. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'll be posting some more. Um, and thanks for putting this on. I know you guys are busy with your PhDs and, uh, you know, I was, I just graduated grad school. So like there's a light at the end. You can do it. <laughs> All that hard work is going to something. So yeah, keep it up. And thanks for having me on. Thanks everybody for listening. We're so excited to talk to Maria. Thanks for bearing with us all as we shelter in place. We know that the sound quality is a little different than our first two episodes, but we are, as everybody else, within our own domiciles right now. So hang in there, everybody, and look out for our next episode, which will be an interview with Valentin Lopez, coming soon to an earbud near you. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. Thank you. We want to thank the Native American Student Development Office for helping us produce this podcast and really giving us the infrastructure to do it. And we want to give a super huge shout out to Superman for letting us use his song Prayer Loop.